and welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Once again, I hope that you had a great week. I hope that you've had time to spend with the Lord in prayer. Again, I cannot tell you enough how important it is that we stay as close to Him as we possibly can, particularly in this time, just because things are getting so crazy out there. And we're going to talk a lot about that tonight as we kind of talk about the the rebellion um, that's happening at this point in time. You know, because we've talked about as it was in the days of Sodom, we've talked about as it was in the days of Noah, and I think this really kind of rounds out everything, particularly when last week we talked about the the birth of the wickedness and how it was taken to the land of Shinar um, in those things. So I really want to dive deep into what the rebellion is and what's going on now and how it all plays out. So... Um, Again, all of our scripture comes from a New King James Version of the Bible. If you need a copy of a New King James Bible, feel free to drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. More than happy to get one into your hands. Also, again, don't just take my word for it because you got to study to show yourself approved on the God of workman worthy of his hire. It's important that you do that type of work. I cannot stress that enough. So again, make sure that you're doing the work and putting in the work. But if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. And then also, you know, my book's out, Grace Abounds. If you want to learn how to grow in Christ a, a little bit more deeply in your walk, uh, feel free to drop me a note and I will go ahead and ship one out to you. So with that being said, again, we want to talk about rebellion and it's really at the root of everything that flies in the face of God. It's the fruit of iniquity, if you will. So from only looking in itself and not looking to God and losing our life, let's not forget what Jesus said. He said, you know, whoever would look to gain his life will actually lose it. Whoever looks to lose his life will actually gain it. But there are important aspects here that that have to be taught, and especially for this moment in time. And what I mean by that is everything that's happening in the world around us. So we have to start at the first rebellion, the one of Lucifer. And Ezekiel 28, 15 through 19 says this about Lucifer. You are perfect in your ways from the days you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you out as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they might gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitudes of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. Therefore, I brought fire from your midst. It devoured you, and I turned you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You have become a horror and shall be no more forever. So there's a lot to unpack here, but the takeaway for this particular study is the is in that first part where it says you were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. His heart was lifted up because of his beauty and because of his wisdom, he was corrupted. So I think it's important that we understand that, right? So when you look at your own beauty, when you look at your own wisdom and you think about how smart you are, how wise you are, or how beautiful you are, you begin to look inward at yourself. You're no longer working, looking outward at God. And I think that that's an important thing here because the moment that we do that into our hearts, we then become self-absorbed. And that's exactly what Lucifer did too, because because ultimately this led to what is shown in Isaiah 14, 12 through 17, where, where the prophet Isaiah through the Lord says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. 
How are you cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations? For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation, on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you, saying, Is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners? You see, iniquity and the focus on the se- on self, are, are re- iniquity really is the focus on self. It focuses inward. It focuses on the things that we want. And you see here that it led Lucifer to say that I will ascend. I will do this. I, 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 I. And ultimately, when we look inward, we believe that we are better than what we are. We believe that that we deserve certain things, right? I would also say the, the opposite side of that coin is true as well, because iniquity leads up to pride, which also has a flip side of that coin, which is self-pity. Self-pity is looking inward at your situation and saying, well, I deserve this or woe is me, all those types of things, but still looking inward and not looking towards God. So it's the opposite side of the same coin. Now, I've heard preachers say that iniquity is when sin moves over to perversion, and I'm sorry, I just completely reject that. Iniquity is the root of all sin, as demonstrated here through Lucifer. Iniquity is that concept of self. It's as Jesus says, he who who loses his life will gain it, but he who gains his life will lose it. It's why Paul said that we have to be crucified with Christ. It's why our flesh and desires and wants and concepts of ourself all have to be nailed to the cross. And I've covered that in detail in uh, in the second season of this. So if you have a chance, go back and listen to what it means to really have the death of self. But this iniquity, ultimately, that came from Lucifer was put into both Adam and Eve at the fall. So Satan wanted to, wanted to get God's creation, the one that was made in his image to rebel in the same manner that he did. This is exactly what he gets them to do. And we talked about this in an earlier episode in the season. And it says the serpent then in, verse, in Genesis chapter chapter 3, verse 4 through 6, it says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So we see here that iniquity is placed inside of Eve, right? Why? Because she looked inward. She looked at herself. As a serpent made her look inside, we see the total process here. The first was that it was good for food. This is the need of the flesh. We all need food and desire food at times. That's a major problem of mine. And she looked the the food was going to meet the needs of her flesh as food. The second thing is that it was pleasant to the eyes. This dealt with the soul, the thoughts, will, and emotions, the ability and the thought that this was pleasant despite what would happen. And a tree desirable to make one wise, this was the spirit. This was the moment that Eve had resigned herself to eat of the tree. It was the moment that she wanted to be wise like God. The first two could have been overcome, but once the spirit fell, there was no return for Eve, no way to go back. And John shows us this in how it applies to us today. When he says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, do not love the 
world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but it is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. So John basically shows the definition of iniquity, and this follows straight through with what Eve did. It looked good for food. It's the lust of the flesh. It was pleasant to the eyes. It's the lust of the eyes. And it was good to make one wise. That's the pride of life. See, all of these things are rooted in the concept of self, the lust of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the desires of the eyes, the, the pride of life, the desire to make one wise. All of that is rooted in iniquity by looking inward rather than outward at God. It was a complete fall for Eve, which is important for us to see. It was spirit, soul, and body. So this fall was ultimately transferred to Adam, but his story is much different than Eve's. Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, 13-15, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. Seeing this, then, we have to understand that Adam's fall was different than Eve's. The only thing we have in Scripture is from Genesis 3.6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was pleasant to the eyes, and a a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. You see, Josephus puts it just a little bit differently when he said she persuaded Adam to make use of it also. So what makes Adam's sin different than Eve's is ultimately that Paul was very clear that Eve was deceived, but Adam was not. That means that his sin is willful. Just like Lucifer willfully rebelled against God, Adam did the exact same thing. Now, I've heard this taught several different ways, but they all come down to the same thing. Adam willfully listened to his wife and subjected himself to her and her desires. Eve had taken the place of God in Adam's eyes. Remember in Genesis 2, 18 through 20, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air, and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whenever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. You see, woman was made to be a helper to man, but if it was Adam that was to have dominion, it was Adam that would walk in the cool of the garden with God. He gave up his dominion and his station and his authority to Eve. She had become the desire of his heart, and this is what leads to the curse that was given to Adam, because he put his wife first. And remember in Genesis 3.17, it says, Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Curse is a ground for your sake, and toil you shall eat of it all the days of, the, of your life. And then also, and for Eve and her part, in Genesis 3.16, he says, To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception and pain. You shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. So there were two parts of this. A desire, uh, two parts of man at this point. There was a desire of the companionship with God, and then there was a desire of things of self rooted in iniquity that ultimately leads to rebellion of God. 
Two separate men were created living inside of Adam at that moment in time. And this is our plight and our challenge every single day. And it's why Paul said that he had to die daily, right? Now, why is that so important? That's a lot of groundwork. But I have to show how rebellion is the start and the end of this. Basically, the start of the beginning of the fall of man and the end with the Antichrist. So God laid out the ground rules in Genesis 2, and we've talked about this before, but let me recap and how they're supposed to work. Throughout chapter 2, we see these laid out, and it said, God breathed life into creation of man that was made into his image and set him up in the garden. Each of us has been given that same measure of faith in what we are putting it in. This consciousness was given to us by God when he breathed the breath of life in us. The second thing, we were given the opportunity to choose life or death. With the trees in the garden, God wants us to choose him. I've taught this before, that we can override the leading of the Holy Spirit. I heard one person say that God was never lost, we were. We must humble ourselves and choose him in life. The third thing is that the social rules of male and female were laid down. Man is the head given the authority that was ceded to him by God. Woman is bone of his bone, but it has a helpmate for man in the authority that God has given him. The ideal state is that the man loves his wife as Christ loves the church. A sacrificial love to supply all her needs and protect her and watch out for her in love. The woman should submit to that. Outside of these ordained norms, we find rebellion. It's for this reason we see such harsh judgments from God around this. And Paul was very clear when he talked when he told Timothy about this in the last days, and that this would really be out of control. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9, Paul says, But know this that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such people turn away. For of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Jonas and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. He said this as well in 1 Timothy 4, 1 through 5. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter time some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and and prayer. So how does this apply today and what is going on today? And we know in 1 Samuel 15:23 it says for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because you have rejected the word of the Lord he has also rejected you from being king and that was Samuel to Saul when Saul did not kill King Agag. 
So how is the world right now rebelling against the Lord? And I'm going to be very candid here. I'm going to be very open here. The first one, frankly, is homosexuality. Not the order. This is not follow the order that God laid out and even taking the pride into their rebellion and displaying it through the parades and marches. You see, God did not, God laid out Adam and Eve, right? The male and the female and, and a certain hierarchy there. Anything else is in straight rebellion to the order of nature. And Paul talks about that in Romans chapter one. And that is a rebellion against God. And we see that creeping into the church now as certain denominations continue, continue to ordain um, homosexual individuals, trans individuals, those types of things. And it's a rebellion that is ultimately creeped into the church. Now, again, I want to be clear here about this is that the individual still needs a salvation and we should consistently reach out to that individual as well why because it's no different than than any other person it's no different than me i'm a fallen creature i need a salvation and i need a christ right that's the whole thing but from a movement standpoint from an overarching basically pushing of the pride agenda i think that that's this that's material at this point and it's rebellion it is open rebellion against god the second one here that goes with that is is transgenderism. It's a rejection of how they were created um, and a manipulation of his creation. And I think that's material here too. We are seeing this more and more and more throughout everything that's being pushed in the media, across the nation, and a bunch of different things that are happening in this space. But the same type of rebellion applies. It's rebellion against what God had been God has been made. Again, I'll go back into an individual person, again, still needs a salvation. An individual person needs Christ. And we should continuously reach out to them in love, not condemning, but in love. But as I talk about this, I want you to think about the bigger picture here from a world standpoint and from a culture standpoint that's in rebellion. The third thing I would say is idolatry, and it's placing anything and everything to be worshipped above God. If you go back to 2 Timothy, again, he talks about how men will be lovers of themselves. They will be lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. So we have to understand that when people put things above God, they created an idol. But unfortunately, people try and overlay God on top of their own lives and the things that they want to do or the things that they've done. A lot of people will even put that in their own self and set themselves in the place of God on the, the altar of their heart. And that's a big deal because God does not not take lightly to that. Let's not forget what he said in Proverbs where he said he despises even a proud look. But idolatry is everywhere, whether it's money, whether it's career, whatever it may be. Idolatry is everywhere across the, across the, the globe, frankly, at this point. The second thing, or the fourth thing here is greed. The pursuit and love of money over all things. You know, we see constantly, whether it's through corporations, whether it's through individuals, people doing anything they can to chase the almighty dollar and all ultimately trying to, you know, regardless of if it's sin or how they climb over, it doesn't matter. We saw inflation happen in, in our nation and in in, frankly around the world as well. But there was a whole nother piece of this called greedflation where a lot of corporations 
put up record numbers, record numbers of profit in order, and gas companies, especially oil companies, you know, just to create this type of greedflation that was there, they arbitrarily kept the prices high regardless of cost. And I think that that's another thing that we're seeing here is greed, the pursuit and the love of money over all things. And again, that's in direct rebellion against God, where, where we're supposed to have according to our needs and that he would meet our needs, but in excess becomes another issue. The fifth thing here, I would say, is pride in self. You know, people are not being thankful for the things that God has given them, but rather they're saying, I'm self-made man, or I'm a self-made woman, or all of these things like that. Like, it's it's a whole piece here where people are looking inward, saying, "What if, look what I've accomplished, look what I did. No different than what Nebuchadnezzar did, where until ultimately he was rejected and then thrown out into the wilderness to be to be whatever he was at the time, an animal, basically, eating the grass of the field and sleeping on the ground after he had been the king for so long. And then the other thing is murder and violence. To be to kill another person who was made in the image of God is is happening more and more and more. And we know that that it was a violent time, that it was in the days of Noah, and we're seeing that happen now. And I think that all of this is important, right? Because the more that this world rebels against God, openly rebels against God, the more they're going to come and they're going to begin to worship an antichrist. You know, like I said last week, let's not forget that that there are no atheists, there's no Hindus, there's no Buddhists, there's no nothing during the tribulation because they all have to worship the beast. That is your, that's your religious system, if you want it. I mean, they all have to worship him or else they're going to get beheaded. And ultimately, all of their altars, all of their, their places of worship are going to be cast down and for this beast, right? And there's going to be murder and there's going to be violence and there's going to be all of those things happening. But the more that this happens now, it's in preparation for an antichrist and it's in preparation for an antichrist that's going to come and try and, according to him, make peace and security. I should say safety and security, if you will, through a world that's absolutely crazy. So all of this ultimately leads into into witchcraft, right? And into that type of rebellion. And let me read you portion. There, there's a, there was an article about Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly that they ritualistically drink each other's blood. Um, that's more ritualistic to get, to keep to to get to a level and to get to a certain amount of power and to stay close with each other. There are things like this happening all over that we don't even understand and that we don't even see out in the mainstream. There's an article about Tom Brady and, and his wife Giselle being a witch during during some of their playoff runs. And that's on CBS Sports and you can Google it. Um, at the end it's it's got Giselle saying, you know, just be you know, just be glad you married a witch or at least I'm a good witch. And I think that we have to understand that all of this is leading up to what's happening in the end here and what's really about to come on the face of this earth. And I can't stress that enough. And a lot of these lessons that I've been kind of teaching, whether it be here or whether it be at church on on uh, when I get to teach, are all leading up to as it was in the days of Noah as it was in the days of in the days of Sodom, talking about the two witnesses that are happening, talking about what's going on in Zechariah 5 with the scroll and how the religions are going to be knocked down. And then now, ultimately, we have to understand that this is the fullness of the rebellion that is happening right now. The fullness of the rebellion against God, against the things of God, and against his natural order of things. And frankly, 
God is not going to let that sit, sit at all. Because we have to understand, we've talked about as it was in the days of Noah. We've talked about as it was in the days of Sodom. And God destroyed the world in Noah's day just because of the things that were happening in the days of Noah. And he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah just for the things that were happening happening in Sodom and Gomorrah. And let's not forget that there wasn't a law at that point. There wasn't the, the law that had been given down through the Torah. There wasn't the, there were the Noahide laws were, were there. But at the end of the day, the same things that that those people did at that time frame are the same things that we are seeing today in this world. Right. And that's why I constantly say we have got to make sure we maintain our intimate relationship with God. We've got to make sure that we make sure that we are in the scripture, that we're not being tossed about by every wind of doctrine, by everyone saying, you know, oh, here's the Lord, or, you know, you got to do this for the Lord. That's why I say, don't even take my word for it. Focus on what God has, has for you. Focus on the things that, that God has for you and let's do the work that he's placed for us. Amen. Because if we don't do the work, we're going to get up to heaven at some point and we're not going to have anything to throw at his feet. And frankly, if we don't have anything to throw at his feet, then what is the point of us even being here? So look, make sure again that we understand the rebellion that's happening. Make sure we try and steer our brother and sisters away from this rebellion and make sure that they understand the truth. Be rooted in sound doctrine. Find a church that is teaching sound biblical doctrine. If they're not, you need to throw it out and you need to find another church because now time is too short for us to really not to, to play around and to not have sound doctrine being taught and being preached. We've got to be part of a work that is doing that. Amen. So look, I know this was a little hard, but we have to understand the rebellion that's happening here because it's going to lead to the chief of rebellion, the son of perdition, the Antichrist that the world is preparing for and frankly that the system is preparing for as well. So look, I hope you got something out of this. Again, if you have any questions, feel free to drop me a note at pathtoredemptionohio at gmail.com. But once again, never forget this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless.